सो वेलकम बैक सो दिस इज़ अ मॉड्यूल वेरी इंपॉर्टेंट मॉड्यूल वेर वी गो डिस्कस टू वेरी इंपॉर्टेंट थिंग्स इन एवरी हॉस्पिटल एंड इन अ नॉन हॉस्पिटल सिचुएशन देर आर लॉट ऑफ लेबोरेटरीज दैट वी हैव टू डील विद नाउ दीज लेबोरेटरीज आर वेरी 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 सीरियस इन्वायरमेंट्स बिकॉज देर इज अज चांस ऑफ इन्फेक्शन इन दीज लेबोरेटरीज एंड देर हैव बीन सम क्लासीफिकेशन to classify these laboratories and that is based on biosafety so they have classified it according to biosafety levels and there's also an accreditation body called the NABL which we are going to discuss in this module so first i want to tell you about what is the meaning of biosafety now biosafety level is a set of biocontainment precautions required to isolate dangerous biological agents in a enclosed laboratory facility now what does that mean that in a laboratory there are some substances which can pose a threat to humans because that's where they are in huge concentration we are using the lab to check it but how do we classify them so we classify them according to the risk that they pose so risk has been classified into four levels there is risk level group 1 2 3 and 4 risk level 1 talks about that the microorganism that we are testing or that we are looking at is unlikely to cause any disease in the risk group 2 the pathogen can cause human or animal disease but is unlikely to be serious hazard to lab workers the community livestock or the environment laboratory exposures may cause serious infection but effective treatment and preventive measures are available and the risk of infection spread is limited now in the risk group 3 there is high individual risk but low community risk now what does that mean that the pathogen usually causes serious human or animal disease but does not necessarily ordinarily spread from one infected individual to another and effective treatment and preventive measures are available now the fourth is very serious high individual and high community risk pathogen usually causes serious human or animal disease and can be readily transmitted from one individual to the other and that can be like direct transfer or indirect transfer and effective treatment and preventive measures usually are not available so for this category we have to be really 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 careful so apart from this there are other factors not only these uh, risk factors so there are other uh, factors that we have to look at and these are pathogenicity of the agent potential outcome of exposure natural route of infection other routes of infection resulting from lab manipulations like you know airborne airborne or ingestion or something which happens through some human intervention then we have to look at the stability of the agent in the environment the concentration of the agent and the volume of the concentrated material to be manipulated presence of suitable host information available from animal studies and reports of lab acquired infections and there are some more so we are going to share with you a very important resource 
which is from the World Health Organization. It's a laboratory biosafety manual, which is by the World Health Organization made along with CDC. So this we're going to share and it's going to give you a detail of what all we have to take care to make a good laboratory and we are also going to discuss it now. Now there are four biosafety levels. Now we have studied now risk groups. Now we will see that there are biosafety levels. There are four biosafety levels. Biosafety level 1, 2, 3 and 4. Biosafety level 1 is low risk microbes and biosafety level 4 is high risk microbes. First we are going to look at, so what all is the relation of risk group of biosafety practices and equipment. I am just going to give you a very brief idea. If I look at biosafety level 1, you know that is a lab where basic teaching or research happens and you know there is no safety equipment as such. All the experiments are done in an open bench, you know. Now if we compare that to biosafety level 2 laboratory, there open bench is there plus there is a BSC for potential aerosols. What is a BSC? We are going to talk to you later. Now what is this used for? So first one was used for basic, te basic teaching and research. This one is used for primary health services, diagnostic services and research. Primary health services, lot of human beings coming, diagnostic services, people are coming to get their checks done. Hmm? So all this is done where? In biosafety level 2 laboratory. Now if we compare this to biosafety level 3 lab, here special diagnostic services is happening and here we have to be even more careful. In the fourth biosafety level, we are going to discuss all of the four in detail. In the fourth one, there is a dangerous pathogen units. These are dangerous pathogen units, pathogens which do not have proper preventive and sometimes there is no cure available for these pathogens. So we have to be really, really, really careful. So first let's talk about the biosafety level one. If you work in a lab that is designated biosafety level 1, microbes that are not known to consistently cause disease in healthy adults and present minimum potential hazard to laboratories and the environment are the uh, microbes that we look at in this laboratory setting. An example of a microbe that is typically worked in a BS1 lab, so the short form for biosafety level 1 lab is BS1 or BSL1 that is a E. coli bacteria. So E. coli bacteria is a non-pathogenic bacteria which we can study easily in biosafety level 1 lab. Now what are the laboratory practices that are uh, followed in a BS, BSL1 lab? Standard microbial practices are followed, work can be done in an open bench or table, safety equipment is uh, like personal protective lab coats, gloves, eyewear such protection are still provided. The facility construction is such that a sink must be available for hand washing and lab should have doors that separate the working area with the rest of the facility. So we are going to share with you some images of how the plan of a biosafety one lab looks like in the references. 
now we look at the biosafety level 2 lab now a biosafety level 2 lab is nothing different it is something that we build on top of a biosafety level 1 lab so if you work in a lab that is designated bsl2 the microbes that pose moderate hazard to laboratorians like the people who are working in the labs and the environment are moderate hazards the microbes are typically typically you know indigenous and associated with disease of varying severity example is staphylococcus aureus this bacteria is very commonly checked for in the surveillance departments infection control departments of many hospitals in india so in addition to bsl1 consideration bsl2 labs have you know some special uh, practices like access to lab is restricted when work is been conducted so it's a restricted access lab when there is work going on then access is one very important thing we also look at the safety equipment uh, appropriate personal protective measures are to be provided like lab coats eye protection face shields and all procedures are done in a bsc i told you before what is bsc i was about to tell you so bsc is a biological safety cabinet basically it's a cabinet where the air is controlled so that air that is inside the bsc doesn't come to the laboratorian who's working hmm? so that is a bsc so so there's no aerosol no splash from the specimen that you are working on and causes no threat to the lab officer or the lab person working in the in in the lab in front of a bsc so another important thing is autoclave autoclave is an alternative method of decontamination and it's available for proper disposal now there are some important factors for facility construction like the laboratory has to have self closing doors see as architects as facility managers designers hospital administrators we have to make sure that a bsl level 2 lab has a auto closing door very small input but can lead to great amount of bio safety and another important thing is a sink and an eye wash what is a sink and an eye wash sink we all know what is an eye wash so if you are working in a lab and suddenly there is an acid spill or suddenly there is a you know contaminated sample which spills and falls into your onto your face or onto your eyes what do you do you immediately run in the center of the lab you don't have to go to the washroom sink or anything there is a specialized equipment where you just have to put your face and from two spouts two eyes two spouts you have to use a foot lever and water jets out of that and comes to your eyes and it clears your eyes in some facilities along with the eye there is also a full body wash you have to pull a lever and the full body gets a shower that is to prevent you you know prevent you from any kind of contamination or spillage now we are giving you a plan of the bsl2 lab now you have to look at the plan in the references which we are going to provide you now we look at what is a bsl3 lab hmm? again bsl3 builds up on a bsl2 lab it's not in isolation it is one step further from a bs2 lab 
so if you're working in a bsl3 lab microbes can be either indigenous or exotic and they can cause serious or potentially lethal diseases through respiratory transmission so you can you know breathe in this air and that can cause some kind of a lethal disease to the person who's working hmm? now respiratory transmission you know is a inhalation route of exposure like many others ingestion is another one for example one example of microbe that is typically worked in a bsl3 lab is tb bacteria called mycobacterium tb so if you're a researcher working to find a new medicine of tb hmm, or if you are working you know if you're if you're a lab of a tb hospital where you're trying to do sputum analysis to check whether the particular person has tuberculosis or not you have to do all that testing in a bsl3 lab otherwise you are putting yourself other lab staff and the environment and the community at risk so in addition to the requirements of bsl2 there are other requirements like you know they have to be under medical surveillance surveillance who has to be under medical surveillance the lab technicians that means they have to get immunizations and they have to be checked periodically whether after so many so many you know units of time months or days or weeks have they contracted anything even after all the precautions that we not that we don't take precautions but we still have to have full med surveillance of this staff access has to be totally 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 restricted at all times totally controlled through access systems you know the touch cards or something like that or fingerprints you know it has to be totally secured now uh, safety equipment very important so lab coats are obviously worn there are also respirators which have to be worn you know there are some so in typical language we call them masks so there are special masks which have to be worn then it should be performed in a appropriate bsc bsc i've already told you so what you, you usually what happens in such labs is there is a standard protocol for different different bacteria so they they designate one particular bsc for a typical microbe so that there's no cross contamination and people know oh this bsc is for this bacteria or this microbe so what do we have to look at from the facility construction point of view hmm? we have to make sure that there is a hands free sink what is a hands free sink a hands free sink is a sink which is operated you know not with your hands like typical sinks with the foot lever or a elbow lever something like that so the hands are not contaminating the sink and the next person who comes to the sink doesn't get contaminated with whatever you were working with before hmm? then i wash very important sometimes with i wash shower is also provided exhaust air cannot be recirculated i repeat exhaust air should not be recirculated a typical split air conditioner would recirculate the exhaust air you have to have a special arrangement where there is no recirculation of the exhaust air and laboratory must have sustained directional air flow you know like laminar air flow huh laminar air flow is where there is a uni direct uh, uni like one direction air flow so that there is no 
So, once something passes from point A to B, that should not come back from B to A because the flow is in one direction. Then entrance to the lab is through two sets of self-closing and locking doors. What is two sets? So, it creates some kind of an anteroom. What is an anteroom? So, this is there is a lab and then there is a door. In between these two, there is a small buffer space. That buffer space is provided so that there is an air lock. So, you go inside, you open one door, you stand in the buffer space, the first door closes, then you go to the second door, that door opens. So, what happens? It creates an air lock. All these things very important for a BSL 3 lab. Now, we are going to share with you a layout view of the BSL 3 lab. Now, very important, very crucial, you know, more, some labs, uh, you know, you will see will not be BSL 4. Uh, some hospitals might not have BSL-4 labs, but these are very crucial labs and they are built, you know, on top of a BSL-3 lab. This is the highest level of biological safety, you know, uh, dangerous, exotic, aerosol transmitted infections are the ones worked on in this kind of a lab. These are infections caused by microbes which are frequently fatal, they will kill you and they are without treatment or vaccine. Can you give me an example? Ebola. So if you are working with Ebola, you have to be working with a BSL-4 lab only, please. You see on television, people are working on Ebola control, Ebola news, they are wearing those full gowns with respirators and so many controls. Why are they doing it? Because Ebola treatment is still under testing. It is not being developed. It is not developed uh, like to the level where it is commercial worldwide. So, we have to be very careful with Ebola and we have to have a BSL-4 lab. So, now BSL-4 labs have specific, you know, contaminant requirements. So, there are some laboratory practices that we have to follow. This is very crucial stuff. They have to be changing of clothes before you enter. So, you cannot be wearing the same lab coat in the hospital or in the healthcare facility and you cannot enter the, you know, BSL-4 lab. You have to change the clothes and get into proper gowns before you enter. You also have to take a shower before you exit. You have to decontaminate all the materials before you exit and you have to have some degree of safety equipment. What is the safety equipment? All work to be done in a class 3 BSc hmm? and that has to be done by a full body air supplied positive pressure unit. Full body includes your face, air supplied, separate air unit supplies you air and it is a like a positive pressure suit that you are wearing. Then facility construction, very important as architects, as engineers, as hospital administrators, facility managers, you have to understand that there is a separate building. The whole laboratory is a separate building. It is not a floor in any other building. You have to have a separate, isolated, restricted building. Right? So, 
in certain cases you don't have you know you cannot have a separate isolated building so then you do a restricted zone in a building in certain cases but try to make sure that a bsl floor lab is an isolated structure on its own so when you are designing the air conditioning or the ventilation system for a bsl 4 lab you have to be very careful and one way of being careful is by having a dedicated supply and an exhaust air dedicated unit for a bsl 4 lab there has to be separate vacuum lines separate decontamination systems this under any circumstance cannot be mixed with a another area or another lab you know sometimes we have two labs together and we try to give it a sip a single uh, ahu we cannot do that we have to give a separate 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 ahu separate decontamination system for a bsl 4 lab now there is a summary chart which gives us a comparison between what all is required in all the four biosafety levels we are just going to give you a type of a sample to give an example as to the difference uh, this chart is being shared with you in the references so like for example isolation of laboratory is not required for biosafety level 1 and 2 required for 3 and 4 airlock not required for 1 and 2 required for 3 and 4 ante room not required for 1 2 and 3 but required for four and uh, you know like personal safety monitoring capability like whether the personnel are safe not required for one and two desirable for three and definitely required for four then autoclave on site not required required for one desirable for two required for three required for four then effluent treatment not required for one and two three desirable four definitely yes and in three also you know it's about uh, depends upon the kind of microbes that you're dealing with then ventilation system inward flow is one factor controlled ventilation system is another factor hepa filtered exhaust is another factor hmm? so uh vent inward air flow not required in one biosafety desirable in second required in third and required in fourth hepa filter not required in first not required in second uh, and it is desirable in third and definitely required in fourth so these are some of the things a small little summary that we are going to give you as a reference so you know there is a very important when you are making the signages for your hospitals you know sometimes we leave the signages at the last moment but we must do quality research on the signages making sure they are properly colored making sure they follow all the international conventions so every time you are making a lab you have to give a biohazard emblem that has to be put which we are sharing this biohazard emblem has to be put right on the front door of the lab it also have to mention the biosafety level of the lab who's the responsible investigator of the lab in case of an emergency you have to have a quick quick emergency number put right at the door not somewhere inside the lab you know where you have to open a book or something right at the door daytime phone home phone of the person all the instructions given right at the door itself to really make people aware of what is what precautions they have to take now uh, there is a thing called guinea pigs 
or lab rats. Now, whenever we are doing medical research, we do it on guinea pigs or animal rats, usually mammals, you know, something like mice or you know, really guinea pigs. So, why do we do that? Because we want to test a certain medication, set, test a certain condition, test a certain diagnostic on these animals. So, in some situations, we also have to have a laboratory animal facility. So, those who use animals for experimental and diagnostic purposes have a moral obligation to take care to avoid causing any unnecessary pain or suffering to these animals. These animals must be provided with comfortable, hygienic housing and adequate, wholesome food and water. At the end of the experiment, they must be dealt in a humane manner. For security reasons, the animal house should be independent detached unit. If, the, if it joins a lab, you know, then the design should provide for its isolation from the public parts of the lab, you know, such and if there is a need like that. And for this, there has to be proper decontamination and disinfection. Now, there are many types of animal safety contamination levels, you know, and like 1, 2, 3, 4 and these will be provided in the references. So, we have to make sure that we design good laboratory animal safe animal facilities and not only for providing humane treatment to animals, these animals have to be given a uniform, uh, what you say, conditions in which they are living so that they do not get any kind of an external influence or infection from the environment. If that happens, then they will show false results for our experiments. So not only for of the humane point of view, also for good experiment point of view, they have to be provided a good facility with all the precautions. Now, there is a need for laboratories to adjust priorities to meet the challenges of emerging or re-emerging infectious diseases. In order to ensure that adaption and maintenance are undertaken promptly and in an appropriate and safe manner, all biological research and clinical labs should be regularly certified. So, uh, we are going to share with you you know an example of a BSc, different type of BSc or biological safety cabinet. You know, laminar flow is to be provided in it, HEPA filter is to be provided in it, how there is a screen in front so that there is no spillage or there is you know no contamination to the face of the person who is working. Now when I say this line, I am trying to hint at the next part of this module that is certification and accreditation of laboratories and the body that does that work in India is NABL. Now why do we need laboratory certification? Because it ensures that proper engineering controls are being used and they are functioning adequately as they were designed. Appropriate site and protocol specific administrative controls are in place. Personal protective equipment is appropriate for the task being performed and decontamination of waste material and other materials has been adequately considered and proper waste management procedures are in place. Proper procedures for general lab safety including physical, electrical and chemical safety are in place. So all these things are important so that the lab 
and as a whole functions properly the way it is designed so that proper experiments can happen in the lab so what is accreditation accreditation is a third party attestation related to conformity assessment body conveying the formal demonstration of its competence to carry out specific conformity and assessment task after the liberalization of trade in india what happened there is an increased consciousness now we want to be very careful that we are getting proper quality everywhere so same thing in labs there is an increased consciousness for quality and this is done to match international levels of acceptable competence laboratory accreditation is when somebody having an authority who's the authority in india nabl hmm so when somebody having an authority gives a formal recognition of a technical competence for specific tests and measurements based on third party assessment and also complying to standards set internationally so who is it for so who all can go to nabl and get accreditation you can be a testing laboratory you can be a calibration laboratory you can be a medical laboratory you can be a proficiency testing provider or you can be a reference material producer now a testing laboratories biological chemical electrical electronics fluid flow mechanical non destructive testing radiological thermal forensic calibration electrotechnical mechanical fluid flow thermal and optical radiological medical lab clinical biochemistry clinical pathology hematology immunohematology microbiology and serology histopathology cystopathology genetics nuclear medicine in vitro test only so these are the services provided by nabl these are the kind of labs that they are going to certify benefits of accreditation why do we need accreditation in the first place increased confidence in testing calibration reports issued by the lab so they are gold standard you can go there with confidence and you can rest assured that they have you know being they have passed a test and they are giving you proper reports and then second another point is better control of laboratory operations and feedback to laboratories as to whether they have sound quality assurance system huh and they are technically competent it becomes a feedback system for them potential increase in business due to enhanced customer confidence and satisfaction customers can search and identify the labs accredited by nabl for their specific requirements from the nabl website or directory of accredited laboratories so users of accredited laboratories enjoy greater access for their products in both domestic and international markets savings in terms of time and money due to reduction or elimination of need for retesting of products so you know you gone to a accredited lab they have given you proper results so you don't have to go another lab for second opinion so there is a process that you have to follow now uh, why is the process important in this module because you have to understand that all this is governed by certain international and indian standards there is a process available on the nabl website that you have to look at you know how you have to go you have to fill a proper form form number is nabl 151 for testing labs 152 for calibration lab and so on hmm three copies have to be provided ha huh? and then there have to be uh, all this has to be done according to quality manual which one iso 17025 2005 
आई एस ओ वन फाइव वन एट नाइन टू थाउजेंड ट्वेल्व आई एस ओ वन सेवन जीरो फोर थ्री टू थाउजेंड टेन और आई एस ओ वन सेवन जीरो थ्री फोर टू थाउजेंड सिक्सटीन विच एवर इज एप्लीकेबल इन योर केस ऑल दिस हैज टू बी गिवेन विद अ प्रॉपर फी एंड यू नो दिस विल देन बी प्रोसेस्ड बाई द एन ए बी एल सेक्रेटेरिएट सो ऑल दिस प्रोसेस इज अवेलेबल बट वॉट वी हैव टू गेट फ्रॉम दिस इज दैट दिस इज फॉलोइंग एन आई एस ओ स्टैंडर्ड फॉर मैनेजमेंट सिस्टम ऑफ द लैब सो दैट इज ऑल्सो दैट सो अलॉन्ग विथ एक्रीडिएशन बाई एन ए बी एल यू आर ऑल्सो फॉलोइंग द पैरामीटर्स ऑफ आई एस ओ स्टैंडर्ड्स सो वी हैव जस्ट फाउंड आउट दैट इट इज़ वेरी इम्पॉर्टेंट टू गेट द एक्रीडिएशन डन वी हैव ऑल्सो सीन की वॉट आर द बेनिफिट्स ऑफ एक्रीडिएशन एंड वी जस्ट टचड ऑन द प्रोसेस ऑफ अप्लाइंग फॉर एक्रीडिएशन यू कैन गो टू द वेबसाइट and look at uh, what is uh, the process how it fits your particular lab and then you have to apply that application follows a particular procedure so how is nabl globally recognized so nabl has linkages with international bodies like international laboratory accreditation cooperation and asia pacific accreditation cooperation so nabl is a full member of ilac apac and you know nabl is signatory to ilac apac manual recognition arrangements so it is not working in isolation it's working at par with the standards across the globe nabl operations in itself so you know when you are an accreditation body you are uh, you know giving accreditation to others so you yourself have to be accredited so they are confirming to iso 1701120172 so in this module we have covered a lot we have seen biosafety levels what are the requirements of their labs and what are the nabl uh, accreditation process benefits and what is nabl so nabl also would want you to have biosafety levels so they will take it for granted that you have followed the biosafety levels which you have studied in this module then only they will talk further and talk about the accreditation so this was this module we studied a lot we'll give you reference materials then there'll be a small test make sure you do that well so it was great being with you thank you jai hind